Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Again, it is the 15th of February, and so all of the Valentine's candy is on sale. That's right. Today's the day you can get heart-shaped everything on sale. And so, um, I don't know, I'm kind of thinking I might go buy some up and attach John 316 to the cover and just like go put them on people's doorsteps, right? That people would know that the love of God has been extended to them in Christ Jesus um, and that God's love is unending, that it's real, that it's available, that it's sweet. There you go. That's just a thought for the day. Some cultural confusion on display yesterday on the house uh, on the White House lawn. So, I mean, I, I appreciate that um, someone, you know, I don't want to suggest that this was the president and his wife because who knows who makes these decisions, right? But someone decided that it would be fun to put a big red heart um, featuring a passage of scripture on the White House lawn um, with with some cutout displays of uh, the Biden's dog and their cat. So um, the passage is from 1 Corinthians, and it's about faith, hope, and love. These three remain, and the greatest of these is love. Now, I I fully appreciate uh, a passage of Scripture posted publicly in a public space, but I also recognize that just in this one image, there's just a lot of cultural confusion on display. Um, there's, there's a love of pets somehow indicated. There is, you know, the red heart-shaped Um, that we are supposed to, I think, associate with the erotic love of Valentine's Day, the affection that we have, uh, male and female. Um, And then there's this partial verse of Scripture lifted from 1 Corinthians about God's love, God's agape love. The greatest of these is love. And so I want us as Christians to take full advantage of this and where there is confusion on display in the culture for us to bring the mind of Christ to bear on this particular matter. And so when you see that, do you know the context of the verse? Um, do you understand what is meant um, when, when the Apostle Paul is talking about love being the greatest of these, faith, hope, and love, the context uh, within the chapter that it appears, and in the larger context of a conversation about the Holy Spirit and the gifts that arrive with the Holy Spirit. Because the greatest of these is love is about the gifting of the Holy Spirit and how God's love animates the believer who is spiritually possessed of the Holy Spirit himself. So there you go. That would be my encouragement um, in terms of the ways in which we can extend the love of God to others. Let's reclaim love, right? Go go buy some 
cheap leftover Valentine's candy in the heart shape and uh, print out the entirety, maybe, of, um, of a passage that brings the love of God to bear on the reality of the day? Like, choose one that means something to you. You know, there's First John chapter 4, or maybe it's John 3.16. Print it out, cut it out, glue it on there. Go, go put it on somebody's doorstep today. Remind people that they're loved by God. You are loved by God eternally. And right now in this very moment, and with great sacrifice and cost. Jesus is the very demonstration of God's love for us. His heart was broken over you. Going to make God's day? Turn to him and receive the love he offers in Jesus Christ. We've got a number of uh, matters of the day that we want to bring the mind of Christ to bear upon. And next up, we're going to talk with Dr. Brett Nix uh, about some some medical headlines of the day. Maybe we'll even talk about our heart health, both at a physical and a spiritual level. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Dr. Brett Nix is back from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can also find him at his web website, brettnixmd.com. Brett, good morning. Welcome back. Hey, Carmen. Good morning. Happy good Tuesday. Morning. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Yes, I am um, encouraging people to go and uh, collect all of those leftover Valentine's goodies and repurpose them, reminding people that God loves them today. So there you go. You know, I think that's just a great thing to do. And I'll tell you what, while I'm not the biggest chocolate fan, I will test that. Uh, unfortunately, I am a sugar fan. So those uh, those little uh, uh, conversation hearts and the little conversation um, hearts. Gum, gumdrop style uh, um, sweets. Oh, my goodness. Around this time of year, I have to hide them because if I don't, I will eat them. <laughs> okay. Flowers also on sale today. So if you want to do the non-caloric love act... You know, there's the, those are all on sale today, too. So there you go. That That's probably a better counsel. Good job. Good job there. Um, all right. Uh, COVID, bring us up to date on where we are in terms of, um, you know, COVID numbers, cases, deaths, what's happening. And the reason that I bring this up is we haven't talked about it in a while. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know what, it's, uh, it's, still, it's still in the news. It's still around. And for those who... Uh, who've been dealing with it, yeah, you've probably had it. Uh, Omicron is fascinating. It is uh, pretty much omnipresent. It is everywhere uh, across our country. And most larger cities and whatnot, you've seen the decline as far as the total numbers. Uh, you know, I'm in North Carolina, and we hit our peak probably in mid-late January. We're on the, the downward slope, and our numbers have dropped off substantially, which is great. But the one thing that we do know about it is that uh, the deaths associated with it typically follow a couple weeks behind. And so that's the pattern that we're in right now. And across the country, that's not uncommon. And so let's, let's go ahead and put this in the lens of what we've been seeing. We knew that Delta, boy, Delta, while it wasn't as contagious, was really, really problematic for those that got it as far as the rates of death. 
Uh, with Omicron, it's a very, very different. So envision yourself going into a small high school basketball stadium versus maybe going to one that's the size of an NBA stadium. The number of people that would get Delta was more like the smaller stadium. Those that were get, are getting Omicron is much more like the larger stadium. It is uh, far more contagious. Now, the one thing about it is the actual percent of deaths is much, much, much lower. But whenever you have a big, big, big stadium, the overall death numbers can be higher, even with a, a lower associated percent of death. Uh, and so, again, the same risks hold true. If you are an older individual, and what we're seeing with Omicron is really above 75. Uh, if you have comorbid issues, obesity, diabetes, lung issues, et cetera, any of these types of issues, uh, immune compromised state at baseline. Um, and then again, if you are, have not been vaccinated, those are really the categories of what we're seeing as far as the associated deaths. The good news is the numbers are dropping in the, in the larger cities. What we typically know, though, the rural areas will follow. And we've, we've seen peaks in rural areas, and some of those are starting to come down. But uh, this, will, this will kind of roll a little bit differently than what we see in uh, some of the countries in Europe, just because of how widespread, uh, how, how broad the U.S. is and how many different types of rural and urban and suburban populations we have. So I um, ordered my free COVID test kits, and they arrived yesterday. I'm just letting you know. Like, that's apparently happening now. Those free at-home COVID-19 tests that the government said they were going to send out, mine, mine arrived yesterday. Yeah, ours arrived on uh, perfect timing as well. Ours arrived uh, in the middle of uh, last week of January. At the same time, my wife started not feeling well, and she was positive. And at the same time that uh, my son started not feeling well, and he was positive. And my daughter and I uh, did the dance. And uh, as far as we know, we didn't uh, uh, get COVID. But at the same point in time, symptomatically, uh, it was interesting to see the dynamic in our family. And, you know, thanks be to God that we are a healthy family, don't have any comorbid issues. So we all did just fine. Uh, but again, uh, it's nice to be able to have that, especially if you wanted to test yourself and go into a store. You can't find many. Right. No, exactly. All right. So, um, Brett, are you a pet person? Dogs, cats? I, oh, other of course. Pets? I'm a huge pet person, as you, you probably know, and you've probably seen some of my posts as it relates to it. But <laughs> I grew up in a Dr. Doolittle's home out in western Washington, <laughs> the state of Washington, where if your door opened up and an animal came in, it just joined the family. So um, Mary just texted in a picture of Jojo, who is listening right now, and Jojo is quite the cat. So there you go. Good morning, Jojo. Mary, thank you for sharing that. Mary's listening to us out in Washington State. So it's super duper early out there. Um, we love that. We appreciate that you're here. Dr. Brett Nix and I will return to this conversation in just a moment. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen, and this is Faith Radio. This is a new day. We're going to talk about what's going on in our tummies, gut microbials. Mm-hmm. So I got to admit to you, so we're talking with Dr. Brett Nix from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can check out his website, brettnixmd.com. Um, Brett, I got to tell you, I am absolutely certain that when I was in school, when I took basic classes in uh, science and then probably nutrition, right, probably a health class, I don't remember ever, ever, ever anybody talking about my gut microbials, but it, these, these, it actually matters. Like this is a big deal. It really is. And you know, what's funny about it is sometimes it's just that we uh, maybe use different terms when we were younger. We always thought about 
you know, what the American Dental or the American Dietary Association uh, would talk about as far as the types of foods that we would eat and the balanced diet. And but they never got into the details of what really mattered in our gut. And there's so many articles that are out there. There's so many things that you can read about. And most people know it only from this perspective. You go and see your doctor. You've got an infection. They give you antibiotics and they tell you, hey, maybe you should be on some probiotics to go ahead and protect your gut. And most people are common and aware of that type of term. And they're like, well, what does that really mean? So recognize when they talk about probiotics, the way our bodies were created is such that we have a balance of microbes, of bacterium that live in our stomachs, live in our bowels, that help to break foods down, that help us allow to maximize the absorption, to maximize the nutrient values of all of these things. And whenever we do things to our bodies that are out of balance, it creates a harmful environment such that no longer are we optimizing our health, no longer are we able to absorb things as well, and it puts us at risk. And of course, if you're decreasing the amount of nutrients, these micronutrients, your vitamins, your minerals, and other things, of course, it's going to have a longstanding impact uh, in your life. And really, those are the things that we're looking at. So um, I want to call the Mediterranean diet, um, I just want to call it the eat like Jesus diet. Like, right. I feel like that in every single one of these conversations, if we could just say, you know what, if we would just eat like Jesus, um, because I think part of what's going on here is everything that is so easily and readily available in our culture is highly processed. It has a lot of fat and a lot of sugar. And we know it slows us down. Like literally, we know it makes us mentally sluggish. We want to take a nap and then we want more of that. Like it creates a craving and an appetite for things that are not good for us. Um, Talk us into maybe um, a more eat like Jesus approach for our mental health as well as our physical health. Yeah, boy. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. This is really about balance. This is about understanding the basics. And what you say about processed foods is everything. They are easy. They taste great. And our bodies crave them uh, because of the issues related to salts and sweets. And that's the balancing act within this. Now, does that mean that on occasion you can't go out and have something that's a processed food, your, your favorite fast food? No, that's not what we're saying. But you have to understand the value proposition of the things that we make, that we eat, that are first generation off. What do I mean by that? Those are the things that you pull up out of the ground and you cook and you eat at that point in time, or you're eating them fresh. And when you're talking about the, you know, the, as you would quote, the Jesus diet, these are the types of things where you're looking at, uh, you know, legumes and you're looking at uh, nuts and you're looking at fresh produce and fresh vegetables and things along those lines. Tremendously healthy. And so you'll hear people say, oh, my goodness, you know, I started this new salad diet and I feel amazing. That's good. (laughs) But recognize it's a balancing issue. And many times in a salad, what are you missing? You're missing your proteins. And so understanding that balance when you look at rice and beans, the combination of the two, incredibly healthy. But again, it's not in overabundance. Many of the times whenever we, like I said, live in North Carolina, when you go out to a restaurant and you order something, even if it's healthy, you get a Carolina-sized plate. What does that mean? That means it's about enough food for three people. That means that you should take it home and have it for the next couple of days. And so it is this balance of the direct produce, the direct vegetables, the direct process issues that mean you're taking it from the farm and eating it. You're you're taking it directly as God intended it. Uh, And does that mean you can't cook and break things down? No, not in the least. Uh, But what it is is it's finding that balance because not only is it great for your body, but as you stated as well, if you're eating well, and your body is in, in, in a in a ideal state is not increasing stress. Processed foods create stress on your body from the digestive process alone. 
you're doing stress to your body. That's why you don't feel well. That's why you don't feel rested because it not only affects your physical presence, but your mental presence and everything that flows from that. Let's, um, can I do a, um, a hot take, like a quick hot take with you on an article that I read? Okay. So, um, so the New York times is saying that, um, it's only people who oppose abortion that think that what we're hearing when we put that stethoscope up to a woman's belly and we hear a heartbeat, that that's really a heart and that's really a heartbeat. Only people who oppose abortion think that's a heart and a heartbeat. Okay. From a medical perspective, does that not seem a little bit crazy? Isn't that a heart and isn't that a heartbeat? And I mean, you know, I'll go one step further. Isn't that a baby? Oh, it's it's amazing. You know, I'm an emergency physician, so I see people on their worst day of their lives. And if I have a young uh, individual that's coming in that is thinks that they may be pregnant or are pregnant and having a problem, uh, there's something that is incredibly reassuring about going into the bedside of finishing the evaluation and for me grabbing a bedside ultrasound and putting it on their belly. Mm. Uh, and, you know, at the very early stages, I can find a heartbeat in the, you know, six, seven, eight week window uh, in this tiny, tiny little baby. And I can actually find it. Not only can I find it, but I can hear it. And I can take this this, this, uh, this visual movement that I'm seeing on the screen and amplify it into, into sound waves. And to be able to see that and to, to see the function there is just absolutely amazing. Um, and what's most reassuring about that is, that, you know, while God never gave us x-ray vision, the ability to look in at such an early stage to be able to do this, he's given us a technology to confirm what we know to be true, which is from the point of conception, this is an amazing creation that God has put into place. Uh, and to think otherwise, when you can see it in a scientific perspective uh, that I see on a daily basis, uh, and then understanding the truth about what that really means, uh, I don't think that there's much to argue about. So thank you. Um, I, that confirms my, my sense of it as well. I love the, the way you just described that, uh, you know, allowing technology to confirm what we already know is true. Um, the the technology of ultrasound and even that 4D technology where, I mean, you just increasingly like see the person and their features. It's such a powerful gift, I think, to those of us who want to be making the argument that, you know, that is a human being and that is a human life and worthy of um, acknowledgement and protection. So thank you so much for that. That's so helpful. Um, Brett, we probably have to leave it right there today, but thank you so much as always for joining us. You guys can check out what's happening at the Christian Medical and Dental Association, cmda.org. And you can visit with Brett at his website, brettnixmd.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and we'll be right back. He put that You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Check out everything we've got going on at MyFaithRadio.com. We are in the midst of our Kindness Always challenge, initiative, invitation. Well, check it out and think about the ways in which you can intentionally exercise kindness. Share with us um, about that, and we'd like to uh, then share back with you. So there you go. We got a little kindness always challenge going on or initiative. So when you think about discipleship, right? So we are 
disciples of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? And what does it mean to be people who are like this generation's recipients of the Great Commission to go and make disciples of not just all nations, but like everyone? So, I mean, we know we're supposed to be doing that, right? We're supposed to be making disciples. But what does that mean? What does that look like at a functional, practical level? We're going to talk with Kevin and Sherry Harney about organic disciples. They're going to share seven ways that we can grow spiritually and naturally share Jesus with others. The list of seven might not surprise you, like right? We're, but we're not just going to talk about reading the Bible. We're going to talk about Bible engagement. And we're not going to just talk about prayer. We're going to talk about passionate prayer. And we're not going to just talk about worship. We're going to talk about wholehearted worship. And we're not going to just talk about service and caring for others, but doing so humbly or giving generously and joyfully and being in community consistently. And then, yeah, reaching out organically. What does it look like for you and I to be the disciples of Jesus Christ and cultivating discipleship in the world? Organic Disciples, up next. What an honor to be joined today by Kevin and Sherry Harney. You might recognize their names. Um, They are the co-founders of Organic Outreach International. Um, They uh, lead a church called Shoreline in Monterey, California, where Sherry serves as the spiritual formation and discipleship director, and Keith is the lead pastor. They've been married for 37 years and have three adult uh, children and grandchildren as well. Um, We're excited to have them today. We're talking about organic disciples, seven ways to grow spiritually and naturally share Jesus. Kevin and Sherry, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Great to be with you. Well, it's it's wonderful to have you. So let's do this. Let's start with this. Um, what is a disciple and how is one made? Well, a disciple is anyone who seeks to be like Jesus, who seeks to follow him in the way that he lived his life and how he empowers us to live for him. Yeah, you think of the early disciples. They weren't sure quite what it meant to be a disciple when Jesus said the words, follow me. But they discover it day by day and week by week and year by year. And we get to that journey as well of becoming more and more like Jesus with each passing day. So I like the word journey. Um, You use it a lot. Um, I was noting that uh, both of you give just you just give this really warm um, greeting to those uh, people who have walked with you on your spiritual journey over decades. Um, I thought that uh, the way that you talk about that in the dedication page was actually worthy of pointing out, because you didn't arrive at this place of discipleship in your journey on your own, um, and you have walked with a lot of other people on their discipleship journey over time. And I think that that sort of wins you the right to be heard in this conversation um, about growing spiritually and then naturally sharing Jesus. So can you just give a shout out, maybe each of you give a shout out to, um, to someone who has who you just would recognize, wow, that person has really helped me grow up into uh, Christ in a particular way. I'll, I'll start. Um, one of the women that I list in mine 
is Alice Beery. And it's interesting because I didn't spend a lot of time with her, but I spent enough time with her to have her disciple me and impact um, in powerful ways, have an impact in my life. And I'll just share, she was a Sunday school teacher of mine. She was a, a woman in our church that I um, you know, sat next to in church for years, but having her as a Sunday school teacher, she taught me some lessons that formed uh, my life as a Christ follower. I'll give you just one example. I remember one Sunday morning, she taught us about how to handle fear. And she said that if you're ever in a moment where you feel fearful, just call the name of Jesus. Just say his name, Jesus. And I remember when she taught that and how it made such a huge impact on my life. And I started to do that as a fifth grader. And now as a grandma, I'm still doing that Jesus hmm. in moments. And I share that with people around the world and it has impacted their lives as well. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Kevin, do you have one to share? Yeah. I mean, many people have had influence on my life, but but one was a guy named Doug Drainville. Doug was, uh, when I became a believer, I grew up in an atheistic home, but when I became a believer, I was a, almost a junior in high school. It was between my sophomore and junior year. And Doug was kind of a younger college guy who was a fairly new believer, but he was trying to be like Jesus. So he drove me places in his Volkswagen Beetle. He offered to help and serve in any way he could. And whenever I'd be with him, he would talk about the things he loved, which was his family, uh, his girlfriend, and his 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 love for Jesus. And he would talk about how Jesus had impacted his life. And, and Doug actually influenced me before I became a Christian. And then for the first few years, I was a Christian. As best he could, as a, as a college guy who was a fairly new believer, he followed Jesus and taught me by his model and by his words. And to this day, there's so many things that I've learned about being like Christ and following him that I learned from Doug in those young years. And I've taken those things and tried to do those for other younger believers. I, I feel like that that establishes this pattern for us of helping us understand how there is something going on. And when I say generational, I'm not necessarily talking about older to younger, but sometimes I am. I'm definitely talking about the more mature to those who are not as far along the journey as, as we might be at a point in time in, in our discipleship. You guys talk about that in this book, um, and you do so in a way that's, um, th that, that comes through the stories that you're sharing about how these things happen. So we are talking about organic disciples, seven ways to grow spiritually and naturally share Jesus. Um, our conversation partners are Kevin and Sherry Harney. They're the co-authors of the book and the ones really uh, who are sharing this model with us. Let's do this. Um, we're going to talk about the three epic questions that establish the foundation for this. But I also want you to talk about the four-generation challenge that keeps showing up. Yeah, well, the four generations is really built on 2 Timothy 2.2, where the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, who's a young pastor in the city of Ephesus. And Paul just says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, you know, Timothy, the things you've heard me say, the things I've taught you, you now take those things and trust them to reliable people who will in turn teach other people who are reliable. And the, the implication is who in turn will teach other people who will teach other people. And it's, it's this, this chain of life upon life upon life. And so those four generations are, are really understanding that in our spiritual journey to grow as disciples, there's people influencing us to grow. We're tending to our own spiritual life. We're influencing others and teaching them to influence others. And that becomes this journey of growth from person to person to person until Jesus returns again. Yeah, I just, I love that. I think it's it's insightful. It's obviously biblical. Um, and we all, 
understand it because we can look back and we can recognize in our own lives um, uh, the people in much the same way that you identified the people in your lives. Um, you know, we can name our Alice or our Doug. Um, and then I'm hoping that in our life today, we can also name the people who we are yes. mentoring and or discipling. And I think those words are a little bit different and nuanced. Um, and I appreciate the way uh, you use both of them. Let's talk about the three epic questions that lay or that lie at the foundation of this conversation. And I'll let you guys um, share those. Sure. The first epic question is, how can I know I am growing as a disciple? And uh, we talk about the essential place of the fruit of the Spirit, that uh, we can't even grow unless Christ is within us, that this isn't our self-effort. Um, and this is a beautiful part of our, our journey, is that we're not doing this in our own strength, but we're becoming more like Christ because Christ dwells within us. And so just the essential place of the fruit of the Spirit, um, that as we... Um, it kind of serves as an umbrella over all the practices that we do, all the markers that we talk about in our, our book on, on how to grow. They superintend over all that we do. And then those markers of spiritual maturity, we actually have seven of them. I'm, I'm going to list them for you. Bible engagement, passionate prayer, wholehearted worship, humble service, joyful generosity, consistent community, and what we call organic outreach, just sharing the love of Christ naturally through your own life. And these are just practices that we believe every Christian needs to be engaging in in, in a regular way. And um, uh, so this is um, yeah, what well, we talk about. And that leads to the second, the second question, which, uh, Carmen, you've already sort of referred to in how this life impacts life impacts life. The second question is, is discipleship bigger than my relationship with Jesus? For most Christians, hmm. if you say, well, tell me about what discipleship is, they'll say, well, it's about growing in faith. It's becoming more like Jesus. It's, it's growing in the scriptures and in prayer. And those, those would all be true things. But it's also bigger than that. We, it's what we said before. It's always four generations. And I can know I'm growing in faith if I'm not only growing in faith, but I'm, I'm taking the hand of somebody who's wiser than me further down the road and learning from them if I'm also you know, kind of seeking to say, Lord, who is somebody who's younger than me, maybe chronologically, maybe just spiritually, but I'm helping them along and I'm equipping them to do the same. And so it's always bigger than just me and Jesus. It is me and Jesus, but it's, it's us and Jesus. We're growing together in faith. And then that leads to the third question. Which is, what is the relationship between discipleship and evangelism? We have found, as we have worked with churches throughout the world, that Sometimes there's some conversation that, that goes on. It sounds like this. So are you a discipleship church or are you, are you about evangelism? And our answer is always, we're both. How can it not be both? Um, uh, Kevin actually came up um, with uh, a way to understand this, and I'm, I'm going to um, share this. He says, discipleship and evangelism are not enemies. <laughs> They're not opposed to each other. Discipleship and evangelism are not just friends. We're just not kind of like buddies that hang out. But discipleship and evangelism are like marriage partners. And what God has put together, how he has ordained, how we go about sharing the most important news that, that we have about his love, we should never separate. 
Amen. Hey, we are um, we are talking with Kevin and Sherry Harney. They are co-founders of Organic Outreach International. We're talking about their brand new book, Organic Disciples, Seven Ways to Grow Spiritually and Naturally Share Jesus. We're going to um, continue this conversation in just a moment. Um, and I want you to imagine a world where every person who follows Jesus is growing in spiritual maturity every single day and sharing Jesus with others. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation now with Kevin and Sherry Harney. They are the co-founders of Organic Outreach International. You can find them at organicoutreach.org. We're talking about their book, Organic Disciples, Seven Ways to Grow Spiritually and Naturally Share Jesus. Um, the, the seven ways um, are Bible engagement, passionate prayer, wholehearted worship, humble service, joyful generosity, consistent community, and organic outreach. Um, I really, I mean, I'd, I'd love to have the kind of time where we could unpack every single one of these, but obviously, you know, right, the, the, this would be a book-length conversation. Here's what, I'm, um, here's what I'm wondering if we could do. Let's, um, maybe Kevin, tell us about Kenton, because I think that if we, if we could just draw this picture for people about how you walk with one person as they, for the first time, engage the Bible, like, it just helps us see into what we're talking about when we talk about life to life or life on life discipleship. Absolutely. And, and Kenton, uh, one of those writing, not, not his real name, but, uh, but Kenton, this young guy was a, he actually grew up as a, uh, his father was in law enforcement. His mother was kind of a a wild gal and they, and they, they both were not believers, uh, the parents. And so he was not a believer at all. I met him. He put his faith in Jesus, got excited about his faith, started growing. I, I gave him his first Bible, just like someone had done for me when I became a Christian. And I said to him, Kenton, listen, as much as, as you read each day, I'll read. Let's t- let's read the Bible together and talk about it. Well, I was having my own time in the scriptures, but I thought I'll read you know, along with him. He'll read a chapter a day. And he ended up reading about 10 chapters a day. And he said, let's do 10 <laughs> chapters a day. And so, so uh, a week later and 70 chapters later, uh, he talked about all these things he was learning. And, and of course, as a young high school kid who'd never held a Bible in his hand, there were things that were hard for him to understand, but there were a lot of things that hit his life, and week after week, we'd meet and talk, and he was growing in his faith, and and and, and then one day, uh, we met, and he said, I stopped reading the Bible, and I said, well, what, why? And he said, well, every time I read it, it tells me to do things that I don't want to do, and it tells me to stop doing things that, that honestly, I like doing, so I just stopped reading it, and I said, well, Kenton, that's part of the, the journey of following Jesus, is that we have our lives transformed by his word, and, and we went through this process of talking together and praying together. And, and with time, he jumped back into reading the scriptures. But, but I, had this, I had this time for a couple of years to just grow with him in God's word. And he, in turn, then began to have influence on other people who were younger in faith. And so I got to see this, this high school student. Sometimes we think about discipleship as this thing for you know, older, more mature Christians. But every one of us can help somebody younger in the faith grow in faith. And I had the honor of doing that with Kenton. I, I love how true it rings. Um, that rings true to me, that as we read the scriptures, um, we are uh, 
we discover things about God that we find so compelling. We also discover many things about ourselves that we realize are not aligned with how God created us, um, or certainly God's heart's desire for us, you know, God's best. And and so we do. We have two responses to that. One of two responses: we close the Bible, um, or we open ourselves to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I really appreciated. Uh, Sherry, uh, the your contribution in the conversation on prayer. Um, I'm wondering if maybe we could um, open that up before us because I think that it is um, it is the necessary component to everything that follows to whole, to to wholehearted worship, to humble service, to joyful generosity, consistent community, um, and any outreach that I would ever do um, in the name of Christ would have to be in the spirit of Christ. So, can you talk about prayer as a part of your journey? Mm. Yes, I'm so grateful that I uh, grew up in a Christian home. Um, I have a mom and a dad who are both still living in Michigan, who are passionate still about their faith. But they, you know, we we grew up in a home where uh, you pray before meals, and we had dinner every night. And I'm so grateful for that practice of of just praying and and acknowledging that everything we have, the food that we eat tonight is from the Lord. And I still, I still pray before every meal because of that. And then praying at night uh, before we went to bed. And so that was just the, the practice um, of my life, but just really growing uh, throughout the years as I've um, you know, been a Christian for decades. But I, I did have kind of a transformational moment in my life when I, I sought to figure out how to live into the passage found in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, to pray continually. And, uh, you know, as a as someone who is engaging in the Bible and wants to follow the Bible wholeheartedly, God, how do you pray continually? And the Lord just really revealed on my heart that, that his heart was, it's not that you have to pray continually, it's that you get to pray continually, that he is available at every moment every day. And that means that we can have constant communication with him and communication with God. And I love what you were saying, Carmen, about the importance of prayer, because communication with God leads to communion with him. And that's how we become more like him. And this is what discipleship is all about. Yeah. Communion with him, community with one another. It is, it, it, it's what compels me to share um, with others and to do so, you know, naturally or organically, as you guys describe, it also gets me out of the way. Like, right, yeah. I'm, I, if I'm too much in the way, then I'm totally self-conscious and I am, you know, short, short of what I should be in terms of sharing Jesus with someone else. But if, you know, if I'm really in that space of, communion with God. And I just recognize that, you know, he's, he's present. He loves this person. He wants them. God wants them all. Um, and that if I'll just get out of the way and let God be God through me by the power of his Holy Spirit, like, right, something really extraordinary has the potential to happen that otherwise would never happen. Absolutely. And that is the, um, the adventure, the journey that you spoke of. And it's yeah. exciting. It's, it's, you know, it's a privilege to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And he, he calls us his coworker, his partner. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it's exciting. 
It's totally exciting. It's exhilarating. All right. We um, I, I know I could talk about this with you guys all day long because we didn't even really get to the I think the really fun part of this, which is the outreach component, this thing that we all say that we believe in the Great Commission, but too few of us are actually actually engaged in. So I know if you're listening right now, you want more. Uh, the book is Organic Disciples, Seven Ways to Grow Spiritually and Naturally Share Jesus. Um, more information and tons of resources at Organic Outreach. Dot O-R-G. Kevin and Sherry, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's our privilege. Thank you. So again, um, on this day after Valentine's Day, I want to encourage you in the love of God, demonstrated in Christ Jesus, available right now. So, I mean, we know from 1 Corinthians 13, 13, that these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And in that chapter, um, we we understand these, these attributes of the love of God. And one of those attributes is its enduring nature. The reality that the love of God never comes to an end. We consider that his mercies are new every morning. Um, I guess I'm wondering if you recognize the enduring nature of God's love, its availability right now, and its freshness every day. Lamentations 3.22 is actually our faith radio verse of the day. If you don't already get the verse of the day in your inbox, just go to myfaithradio.com and sign up for it. You can also do that on the Faith Radio app. Today's verse is Lamentations 3.22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never come to an end. So one of my favorite hymns is Great is Thy Faithfulness, and it's an echo um, or a declaration or, I don't know, uh, a reiteration of this truth, this reality, that God is ever faithful. His love is enduring. It never comes to an end. It's new every morning. It's available right now. It's poured out in the person of Jesus Christ, Um, and it's it's poured out by the power of God's Holy Spirit into and ultimately through us as believers in Jesus, as followers of Christ, as people in whom the Spirit of the living God is pleased to dwell, not because we're righteous on our own, but because in Christ we are made righteous. We, um, we become in that way like Christ. And so let me encourage you today to consider the God who is love, and then the love of God, not only available to you, but pursuing you every single day in a fresh way. Lamentations 3.22, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. God is never going to stop pursuing you with his love. Never, ever. And he's pursuing you today. His mercies, they never come to an end. And guess what? They're new every morning including this morning. You need some fresh mercy today? You need some love? God stands absolutely ready to pour it out upon you, into you, and ultimately through you into the lives of others. You've been listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Have a great day. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.